When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. For historical context, today is the 24th of November of 2021. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and I wish you and your family a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Today, I'm going to be discussing about how we do fluid boluses in resuscitation. As in my practice, I've seen many times that nurses have, uh, and even physicians have ordered this. So obviously a nurse can't do anything unless a physician orders it. So we have to take ownership for this, but they go ahead and set the pump. They hang a liter bag of fluids and they set the pump at 999 cc's per hour. When in fact, the whole point of this podcast is going to be to illustrate why using a pressure bag is going to be the way to go moving forward. And we need to sort of abandon using 999 cc's per hour on the pump to deliver IV fluids to our patients. Now, I must say that this is not medical advice. There are citations for this as well as some common sense that goes to it, but it's on my website, eddiejoemd.com slash fluid bolus, fluish slash fluid dash bolus, excuse me. And you could basically check out the information as well as the citations there. Because at the end of the day, as I mentioned on all my podcasts and all my content, um, I don't want you to trust me. I want you to read this information for yourself because you'll learn a lot in the whole discovery process. Let's get started then. A common scenario that happens daily, you know, even perhaps hourly in most emergency departments or ICUs around the world includes providing patients with IV fluid boluses rapidly to resuscitate patients who are hypotensive and or those who are in shock. In order to mitigate said hypotension or shock, the most common response by clinicians is to go ahead and provide IV fluids. Which IV fluid is a matter that is up for debate. I personally like balanced salt solutions, which include either LR or plasmolite, um, but a lot of places like to use saline. I have content about all that on my website and other places where I provide education. That being said, after the choice of IV fluid is made, the next decision to make is to determine whether the patient will be fluid responsive or not. In the past, I have described various methods to determine fluid responsiveness, which include uh, stroke volume variation, pulse pressure variation, uh, delta stroke volume, delta cardiac index, delta cardiac output, delta SVO2, things of that nature, um, which are going to be beyond the scope of this particular talk. Because at the end of the day, one of the things I like to illustrate is giving fluids and watching the mean arterial pressure go up is not a definition of fluid responsiveness. Okay. After that, after we determine how we're going to determine fluid responsiveness, our nursing friends and colleagues are going to go ahead and administer said fluid bolus. And The decision comes, and the whole reason of this podcast is because many times this is administered via the IV pump set at 999 cc's per hour as the rate, when in fact this should be administered to the patient via a pressure bag. The first reason why we need to consider using a pressure bag, or at least put it to gravity or using anesthesia tubing, 
rather than setting the pump at 999 is the fact that the IV fluids we administer to patients extravasates from the intravascular space to the extravascular space far more readily than most of us think. And this is something that I have covered on numerous podcasts and content before, but to go ahead and reiterate that, there is a paper by Lobo and colleagues that found that, quote, 68% of the saline infused had escaped into the extravascular fluid compartment at one hour, end quote. And this is when their team provided one liter of 0.9% sodium chloride over one hour to healthy volunteers. So let's take a second to think as to why this is important. Let's rationalize this together. This means that what stayed in the actual blood vessels was only 32%. Again, 320 cc's of that one liter stayed in the intravascular space in healthy volunteers after one hour. The rest would be doing absolutely nothing to benefit our patients outside of third spacing, basically causing patients to become like the Michelin men. But again, this is healthy volunteers. Let's take it a step further and look at data where the patients were deemed to be critically ill. Now, there was a study that, again, is cited on the show notes, so check that out, that was from 1998 that stated, quote, isotonic crystalloid solutions and their effect on plasma volume expansion was approximately 200 mLs for every 1,000 mLs administered with an intravascular half-life of 20 to 30 minutes, end quote. And so my interpretation of these data, which again, don't trust me and read for yourself, is that if a critically ill patient is provided with one liter of IV fluids, 80% of this fluid is extravasated. So it basically third space causes the patient harm. But in addition to that, 50% of the fluid infused is lost within 20 to 30 minutes and goes into the interstitial space. Now, these data justify the rationale as to why nurses should not place a liter bag of fluids on the pump and just go ahead, go ahead and hit the 999 cc's per hour. There, there will be no way on God's green earth that this could provide fluid responsiveness for a patient. This is not going to be enough fluid to change the stroke volume, to change the cardiac output, to change the cardiac index on our patients. And then these patients would need at least a pressure bag to provide an amount of fluid that would actually help to change the stroke volume of the patient. One of the things that I just want to reiterate quickly here is that mean arterial pressure is equal to cardiac output times systemic vascular resistance. So when you give fluids and ultimately you want to increase the mean arterial pressure on the patient, again, that's, the, that's what we want to end up seeing, a better blood pressure for these patients. That amount of fluid has to change the cardiac output. And of course, cardiac output is heart rate times stroke volume. So we're trying to increase the stroke volume on our patients. The second reason why rate is important is for fluid responsiveness, which I've already alluded to before and have covered a nauseum in the show notes and on my website. But to break it down in a form that's more easily to digest and in order to not overload our patients with IV fluids, we need to make sure that the fluid bolus that we provide to them are going to be valuable and actually increase the cardiac output to be of any use. See, if a patient's, if the reason why the patient is shocky is because they're basically vasoplegic, in other words, their systemic vascular resistance is in the toilet, giving patients IV fluids is not going to improve their stroke volume or it's not even going to improve the cardiac output or cardiac index in these patients. What they need is something to increase their vascular tone. In that case, they need vasopressors more so than IV fluids. 
looking to see if the blood pressure is pretty is not the way to go. Let's not forget that titrating, again, if you, if you don't have an arterial line in a patient, if you're titrating fluids or vasopressors to a systolic blood pressure rather than looking at the mean arterial pressure on devices that are defined as oscillometric devices is just silly and it shows the lack of understanding of our everyday technology. I really recommend that you titrate your pressors on patients who have blood pressure cuffs hooked up to a monitor via the mean arterial pressure, and I have covered that extensively in the past. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So why do you not want to use the IV pump and hit 999 cc's per hour to provide the fluid bolus? The reason why is because it's going to take at least one entire hour to get that one liter into the patient. We've already reviewed that in that hour, only 200 cc's of that one liter will remain in the intravascular space in critically ill patients, which are the patients we take care of. The rest of it would have said, peace out, and scurried into the extravascular space. Giving fluids like this would not determine fluid responsiveness at all, and in fact, it will be causing harm in these patients. Now, there are peripheral IV catheter charts that is uh, that are described in the show notes and I've covered before on Instagram, which show us the flow rate of IV fluids that we could administer depending on the gauge of the catheter. For example, if you have a 16 gauge in the forearm, you can run fluids at approximately 180 cc's per minute. Now, if you have your pump set at 999 cc's per hour, you do some math, you're only really delivering 16.65 cc's per minute. That's less than the 10% of the potential of that IV access. So keep that in mind. Next question is, why would you provide a fluid bolus using a pressure bag? So depending on the size of the IV access, one can provide fluids faster using a pressure bag, fast enough to be able to assess for fluid responsiveness and mitigate the extravasation of fluids as much as possible. We need to remember that this is one of the holy grails of medicine, and we do not have an exact answer to how much fluids patients need at this time. But since 1995, we've known that pressure bags and even gravity-fed bags are uh, gravity-fed mechanisms are superior to setting the pump at 999. Again, that's since 1995. There have been, these people could drink, basically. They're over 21. And the reason why we know this is because Stoneham published an in vitro study where he found that in a 16-gauge IV catheter, the mean flow rate on a gravity-fed 100-centimeter height fluid bolus was 3.2 cc's per second. Therefore, a little over half a liter was provided in under three minutes. If you go ahead and use a 300 millimeter pressure bag at a rate of 5.68 cc's per second using manual inflation, and then do the math, it means you could get the same volume into the patient in approximately 1.5 minutes. This, this rapidity of giving the fluid will be fantastic for an assessment of fluid responsiveness, and it will not allow the fluids to extravasate into the patient and the patient will receive a better yield for the fluids that they are provided. Now, to bring it all back, those 500 plus cc's on a pump running at 999 cc's per hour would take over half an hour to provide. 
So which one do you think is better? If you put it on a pressure bag and give it over 1.5 minutes, or you put it on the pump at 999 and that'll take half an hour. I think that the conclusion to this is pretty clear at this time. To quickly conclude this podcast, which I definitely recommend that you share with your friends as they might learn something from it. We use maintenance fluids way too often in our hospitalized patients and in our critically ill patients, but they ultimately do not serve a purpose in the vast majority of the patients who receive them. If the decision is made to provide a fluid bolus to the patient who is being resuscitated for a hypotension or shock, we should be using pressure bags or at least to gravity instead of hanging fluids, putting them on the pump and hitting a rate of 999 cc's per hour and then just walking away. If one were to do just that, the majority of the fluids would be extravasated and we would be causing harm to our patients, which is definitely not the objective of this. I do have to go ahead and tip my hat to Corinne Parkhurst, who is the nurse manager at the MSICU that I work for, that I work in, um, as she did do some proofreading to this, as well as Barbara, who runs the account, your nurse educator. And um, she also did some proofreading on this. So I appreciate both of them for helping me out with this endeavor and making sure that I wasn't completely crazy, as well as provide some insight as to how nurses are trained at administering IV fluids. That being said, if you learned anything, please leave me a good review on whatever podcast modality you listen to and also share with your friends because in my opinion, this is valuable information and I get I get way too much commentary from people saying that they never knew this. I think this is very basic stuff that we all should be familiar with and therefore using a um, using a podcast like this as a means of communication might be helpful, especially since there are citations to prove what I'm saying and you don't have to just take my word for it and call it a day. Thank you all very much for your support. I hope you all have a very, very happy Thanksgiving and a happy holidays. See you later. Bye.